expectations can be quite high when it comes to something like that. So when I speak to people about using painting as a form of meditation, a lot of people say, oh, sounds brilliant, but it's not for me. I'm not creative. Hi, everyone. I'm Hetty Holmes, and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, a podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit from reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring. Everyone's definition of feeling good is very different. My next guest, Zina Elfara, founder of Masterpiece, a drop in art experience for those seeking mindfulness, is here to tell me about hers. Sina, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, thank Hi. you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And it was great to have a tour of Masterpiece earlier today in Good. Belgravia. It's a really beautiful space. Thank you. Yeah, we put a lot of thought to um, making it feel less like an art studio and more like maybe um, a really snug front room, like mm. the sort of place where you might come and have a roast dinner with your family or sat around a nice, big, beautiful banquet table yeah, with them. Cool inspiration all around you it's gorgeous I love Eccleston Yards actually there's so much going on there there's obviously like berries and hot pod yoga and they always do these incredible installations in the middle I think you told me there's something coming up that's just quite exciting it's yeah a, a light installation yeah so chromotherapy Christmas yeah so it's like Christmas lights with a wellness twist ah. um, the idea is that there's certain types of colors and lights that stimulate happiness in people mm. and so I think it's like a hundred thousand suspended balls of light that you can kind of explore and immerse yourself yeah. around all, all in the enclosure of this beautiful square so Amazing. that's um, about to start and I can't wait to see it yeah and light isn't something that I would normally associate with with well-being yeah but um, it's a lot of people coming to your neck of the woods as well to see what yeah, you're about. Absolutely. And our sorts of people too, people who are curious. And yeah, seeking it, out mindfulness. Absolutely. So obviously I've had a tour of the space. I actually had a little sketching class this morning. <laughs> well, part of one because I wasn't able to, to experience the whole thing. But um, but it's amazing. It's I guess it's allowing people that don't necessarily have an artistic background like me to kind of walk in and be able to just put pen to paper and just start to sketch and, and not to feel intimidated because you've got this amazing tool where you can actually it, it kind of I guess allows you to trace a picture first and to get the outline and then then you're comfortable and then you can kind of go from there so yeah tell me a little about the philosophy for why you set it up because you're just yeah it's a really it's a mindfulness practice isn't it above yeah. everything else yeah absolutely so um I'm a firm believer and there's a lot of um really amazing research now that kind of reiterates this that um the act of painting is a form of meditation and mindfulness yeah. um but I think that if you're a beginner, um, the, you, you experience a little bit of a creative block to that mm. because you're maybe afraid of um, a lack of skill or what it might look like. Mm. And your expectations can be quite high when it comes to something like that. So when I speak to people about using painting as a form of meditation, a lot of people say, oh, sounds brilliant, but it's not for me. I'm not creative. Mm. I am not creative. Me, myself and my being. I'm not mm. capable of creativity. Um, I couldn't draw a stick man. And that that is the kind of a wall that prevents them from even exploring what, what could be. Mm. So what we've introduced is um, 
a little gadget. It effectively connects to your phone, which has to be on airplane mode. That's an added right. little bonus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it takes any photo off your phone mm. and it, um, it uses light to project the image down onto the table right on top of your canvas. So if you imagine a canvas in front of you lighting up with your image, whatever the image might be, you can then effortlessly either draw or paint directly over the image. And the reason why beginners um, find that so liberating is because there is something a bit scary about a blank canvas and not knowing where to start. And seeing the image laid out for you as a bit of a blueprint takes some of that friction out. Um, and you can make progress a lot faster than you would do in an ordinary art class because you're not having to work through the thing that most beginners find really difficult, which is the, the sketching part and getting the proportions and the perspective all right, mm. that bit's taken care of. So the bit that it allows you to engage with is just simply really studying an image, really, really looking at it, taking a pencil and studying every aspect of it and then introducing colour and painting over what you can see. And that's what I find people get the most fulfilment from. Mm. particularly as a beginner and the hope is that that um, gives them such a positive result on their first visit that they're then they then have the confidence to come and and learn the method in a more purist way mm. but for us without that little bit of an intervention at the start 70% of the guests we've seen would have never been brave enough to try yeah and I think what's unique about what you're offering is, is it, it's a drop-in service, is that right? You're not kind of doing signing onto a course, you know, that you have to take time of work for. It's kind of as you like, just drop in, do a seascape one day, you know, paint your dog the next day. Um, it allows that freedom, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think um, a lot of people have big aspirations for interests and hobbies that they know will bring them joy and fulfilment on a level. But taking that first step is the the point that that kind of blocks them mm. and um it's daunting going into a space for the first time and layering on top of that a commitment like a three-month course or a particular time and a particular day etc etc that all just builds the wall up higher mm. so what we wanted to achieve with masterpiece with it was a space that was utterly effortless to drop into um, whether that's like a super simple website with the classes really clearly there on a schedule, you can book straight in um, through to seeing a picture of your instructor and reading a little bio about them so you kind of know who to expect when you get there mm. um, through to having a schedule of six classes a day, six days a week. Tuesday to Sunday so that there's no one that's excluded by nature of their work from mm. coming and, and having a go. All of that is designed to um, take all of the friction out of taking that first step. Mm. The hope then being that once you've broken the ice and you've experienced how warm and welcoming the environment truly is, mm. that your second and third and fourth and fifth visit becomes effortless at that point. Mm. Now, we've, the proof's been in the pudding with that for us. So um, we've had probably about a thousand guest visits so far and we've been open 
since September, so that's two and a, two months and a bit. It's amazing. Um, Do you think the location has played a key role in that? Because you are in a community that you know it's got Remind the meditation studio, which is quite kind of at the forefront of this meditation trend as it's become. But um, but also more people are looking for stillness, aren't they? And then also you know huge brands like Barry's and Hot Pod Yoga. It's definitely the place to be in London for wellness. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think um, the the mission behind Eccleston Yards is to be the destination for creatives, foodies and wellness lovers and they've absolutely curated an offering um, that that lives up to that. Mm. You could spend the most epic of weekends there mm. from, um, what's it called where you go into an ice cave? An no. ice cave? Oh, an immersion. It's, it's super oh. cold and... It's oh, like cr- 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 cryotherapy. Cryotherapy. They've yeah. got a cryotherapy place on the Have high they? street. Ah. That's new. Yeah. They've got Remind, they've got Hot Pod. Um mindful painting mindful yeah. pottery yeah um even the restaurants have got kind of a wellness undercurrent to yeah. their proposition so or even just like smuck which is hair and and um and beauty mm. um it really yeah they've done a brilliant job mm. designing a space to make that happen so have a lot of people kind of walked in off the street just kind of interested or obviously it's word of mouth as well yeah so mm. um a lot of people walk by. We've obviously got quite a um, um, high impact frontage to the mm. studio. We're, um, we're we're split over two floors: a ground floor and a mezzanine, six meters up, and it's all the glass frontage. And it's got this huge gold hand of Fatima right at the top. Mm. So there's something about it that kind of captures people's interests. Um, and because we're a gallery as well as an art school, it kind of allows people to come in on the basis of wanting to explore the art. Mm. They take a look around, they start a conversation with us, and that's what then gets them engaged with our classes. So, um, so yeah, we've been super lucky with the location. Mm. Um, and our, our community of regular guests are, are pretty local, yeah. um, probably walking distance. It's amazing. I kind of see it like class pass for the art world. It's amazing. Just like a drop-in service, you know. And it's just painting, isn't it? You don't do like crafts and things like that, like pottery. We do uh, sketching, life drawing. Um, we do um, calligraphy. Uh, yeah, painting mm. of all kinds. But um, one day I'd love for us to be able to uh, expand into lots of different crafts and I I don't necessarily believe that one craft is better than the other mm. in in terms of its ability to help you tap into that sense of flow mm. um, but I think painting isn't something that's readily available for people mm. there's been a bit of positive movement with things like pottery and there are a few more options I feel for people who want to go and experience that um, on a more kind of drop-in level yeah. But from my personal experience, having been a painter and then having lost all of that um, in the kind of chaos of my old corporate life, yeah. I really wanted somewhere I could just pay, pay to paint. Yeah. And there just wasn't anything like that. So um, that's where the focus came from initially. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you were a banker in the city for eight years, but you had previously done an art course in Florence, right? Was that just before you started university or? Yeah. 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 So so obviously you were quite a creative person to begin with, but then you fell into this corporate world and you, you just weren't exploring that creativity at all. And did that did that kind of mean you lost a lot of joy? You, you obviously got a lot of pleasure from that. Um, so yeah, just tell us a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, so um, 
If you'd asked 16-year-old Zena, like, what do you love doing? I, I would have said I love painting. Mm. And I was like the nerd who would hang out in the art department. Um, I was also pretty good at other subjects like the maths and the economics and whatever. And I did end up um, go pursuing that in the interest of wanting a quote-unquote proper job, mm. which is maybe a mindset that my more traditional family kind of gave me. Um, so I I went to the Florence Academy of Art, which is a very traditional, amazing art school in the heart of Italy for um, like a last gig exploring my creative side, a, a final farewell before I went and studied economics and management at London School of Economics. And, and then that was it. I, I went into the bank and I stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as a banking job, went I, I managed to get myself about as creative a job as it it comes mm. so I was looking after the um, mobile banking app which um, involves a lot of design and um, does involve a lot of creativity when it comes to innovation and problem solving mm. and so I think I was able to do so well at the bank because I was creative in my nature and I think I stood out at the bank because I'd come at things differently um, mm. from other people. So, for example, pitching for some money to create this new idea for the app. I came in with giant Lego blocks and I got all the senior execs who had to make this decision about funding to play with Lego as a way of getting across this idea of the, I, the thing we wanted to introduce into the app. And that kind of quirkiness doesn't really happen mm. in a banking context. So my, my stuff stood out in that respect. Um, but I always felt like I was missing like the, the thing that gave me my proper rest. Like for me growing up, that was singing in a choir and painting um, and running. And the running I managed to just about keep up with, but the painting was just impossible in my like tiny little London flat. And the singing felt impossible because I could never be at the same place at the same time every week. Um, mm. And um, that's the commitment that it takes to be part of a team like that. So all of that fell away. Um, and um, so I was constantly wishing for and dreaming for a place that you could, on a pay-as-you-go basis, on a flexible basis, go be creative, it not be formal, it not necessarily even be a taught class. I didn't want teaching. I just wanted a creative environment to go and find my own flow. Mm. Uh, and that just didn't exist. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, we obviously talk a lot about happy hormones, that dose. And a, a kind of thing that's entered my consciousness recently is dopamine fasting. Have you heard of it before? Yes. So it's this idea of, you know, you can be so overstimulated, can't you? You can kind of indulge yourself in so many ways, whether it's through pleasure eating or working so hard that you kind of lose yourself. And I guess the way to combat it is to kind of spend a bit more time practicing mindfulness. Um, we did an interview with an amazing psychologist and professor based in a u university in California, and he said one of the best things to do to wind down from it is to, you know, practice, you know, hobbies like arts and crafts that take you into a completely different mindset that just slow you down and really put you in the present moment. So I guess what you're practicing at Masterpiece is, is that, isn't it? It's helping people to kind of declutter their minds and, and to just be present. I noticed quite a lot of Eckhart Tolle books as well scattered around <laughs> the place. So he's obviously an inspiration. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolute classic, The Power of Now. And if anyone hasn't read it, I, I 
totally um, uh, and utterly recommend it. Um, yeah, dopamine fasting, I think, is, um, is um, very relevant for the modern lifestyle, but um, actually isn't new. Like if, uh, if you've studied pretty much any of the big religions like Islam or Buddhism or Judaism, they all practice um, fasting of some kind as a spiritual practice of regrounding the self mm. and training back in to the self um, a consciousness about our kind of base instincts. Mm. And in the current times where you just have to switch your phone on to get that hit of positive like serotonin mm. rush. Affirmation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's... Um, there's no sense of, I think, control in the decisions that we're making mm. to spend our time wisely and spend our time on the things that are going to give us a sense of real meaning mm. and satisfaction over time. So I think a practice where you consciously limit yourself for a period enables you to become much more aware of how much of your decisions day to day are based on impulse and mm. are not truly conscious decisions mm. and then when you ease back into a normal routine you can you have a lot more power over where your consciousness goes day to day mm. now with fasting with food you may be a lot more conscious about the things that you you binge eat mindlessly mm. but when you fast from other types of stimulation um the same i think is true so for me with masterpiece um i i, I honestly love the fact that um, your phone has to be on airplane mode in order to participate mm -hmm. because um, you don't have that continuous interruption that you're so used to that you believe it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And really, when you look at it on face value, it can't be acceptable to be perpetually interrupted in any aspect of your day at any point mm -hmm. in time. Um, and I love that the um, experience is so immersive for people. They entirely lose track of time mm. painting um, and um, getting them to leave is a real bother at the end mm. <laughs> because they they finally, maybe for the first time that day or that week or like that year, spent time awake doing something they love with a com complete sense of focus and flow. Mm. We take care of everything for them, so nothing interrupts that. Um, the lighting is is specifically designed to um, kind of trigger that uh, dusky feeling of rest. The music is super soft. Mm. The smells are super restful. It always smells like lavender in there. Um, there's a little bit of food available, so if you get that little hunger pang, mm. you've got something to quieten that down. Um, every aspect of the experience has been designed so that you aren't interrupted mm. in that, in finding that creative flow. Um, and I think the fact that you're able to paint an image that you've selected makes a difference too, because by, by people's very nature, they end up painting someone they love mm. or a place that they've been that they loved or something that means something to them. And then you're spending 90 minutes just studying that thing that you feel connected to. Mm. Um, and that brings people a, a lot of joy, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about creativity generally, because obviously, you know, 
what, what you're practicing at masterpiece is it's more like mindfulness right it's not about like what you're creating as such that it needs to be a masterpiece which I love <laughs> the play on word by the way Thanks. it took me a while to get it um but you know like you said you were very creative in your job as a banker um and we talked about this earlier actually what when do you really get your moments of inspiration because I often find it's when I'm on a run and we're both long distance runners or I, I was I've done marathons in my time and that I would often get the runners high where you know that's when the big ideas would kick in yeah and you mentioned you get that as well so like what do you think is going on there like why do you think our bodies are allowing us to hatch these ideas yeah um I think that your brain is constantly problem solving on a subconscious level mm. but all of our day-to-day distractions kind of interrupt that I think there's a lot of useful research now that shows the importance of being bored for creativity and for introspection and there's no boredom in our lives anymore Mm. it goes back to the dopamine fasting yeah i think that's why the silicon valley guys are kind of so into into it it. yeah exactly (laughs) because it's it's almost like you're making yourself into like a monk-like person aren't you you're kind of stripping away all the noise yeah so that when you go back to it you have an open mind and you're stimulated in the right way totally and i i think that running does that for you Mm. it um strips you from a lot of the external stimulation Mm. and especially over long distances it is in its nature very boring Mm. (laughs) Um, and I think that gives you the space to let your brain connect the dots process things that have been unresolved um, make peace with things introspect and that's absolutely invaluable and I wish I had the sort of personality where just sitting quietly would allow me to do that Mm. but it doesn't and so I need some halfway house where I'm actively meditating and for me that's running that's yoga or it's painting Mm. because everyone has a different way of meditating right we did a piece on this with those you know some people get it from walking their dog which I think that was me some people get it from just studying people in the street others from you know getting their nails done it's completely individual and subjective to the person but no running really is a way I get I do it as well so let's talk about why it's so important for creative people to to have an outlet for their creativity so you mentioned obviously being a banker you you struggle with that you didn't have an outlet for you know for your creativity um I was once in a job actually where I was like an account manager and I ended up getting really involved in strategy and PR and bit of everything because I'd come from a startup background and I I was just frustrated I think in that role and I got out of it so yeah tell me a bit about your experience with that yeah I think self-actualization and a sense that you're living your best life and um, fully utilizing your skills and what makes you special and unique Mm. is completely essential for a sense of well-being and purpose and that feeling like I'm on the right path I'm in the right place, somewhere I'm supposed to be. Mm. And um, I think if for you that's creativity, then um, not being able to express that can be enormously limiting. Excuse me for the interruption, but I wanted to use this ad break to offer all our listeners 20% off experiences at Masterpiece. If you're still looking for last minute Christmas presents, why not send a personalized digital gift card to someone special to arrive on Christmas day? They'll receive a private message from you to them, along with a step-by-step guide on how to book their mindful painting experience. Simply enter the code DOSE20 when booking online at www.masterpiece.studio. 
So let's talk about, so the space is, it's also a very social place, I noticed. So there was another lady in there today and we were chatting about all sorts from like our kids to, you know, what it was like for her, you know, with the pelvic floor issue that many women face in terms of like going back to exercise. And it was a really like intimate, lovely conversation for someone I'd just met who was, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me, uh, who I wouldn't normally talk to. So it, it is a great space for kind of social connections, isn't it? Yeah. And you were also telling me about um, you have parties um, yeah. and you you did one where uh, everyone could bring their dog along and yeah. paint their dog. That must have been a pretty joyful yeah. experience. So I have a theory and I, I'm sure there's research out there somewhere. And if there isn't, I'd love for somebody to um, to, to try and quantify this. But I have a theory that... Um, because it has been said mm. that people have much deeper and more meaningful conversations in the space for some reason. Mm. My theory is because you're looking down and you're engaged in your piece, mm. you're not getting the social cue from the other person that you'd ordinarily get mm. and that sense of their reaction and that judgment to what you're saying. So if I were to go down a certain line of conversation that I felt was going to make you uncomfortable, I'd kind of see that in you and I'd divert away from it. Mm. But because everyone's looking down, they end up speaking their truth in yeah. lots of ways. Yeah. And and equally, the person sat next to them is, is fully listening mm. because they're not distracted by writing an email or whatever. The painting process is enough of a... Um, it's it forces enough concentration for you to be in that feeling of flow, mm. but it does free up your capacity to have a meaningful conversation. Mm. So I think it's that combination of not not being f fearful of the person's response mm. and also having an active listener yeah. that gets people to really connect. Mm. Um, we ran a couple of singles nights, so daters. Yeah. And um, we got a few relationships out of them. We've really? only run two. Yeah. And I honestly think it's a brilliant environment for getting to know someone. I bet, because um, the pressure's off in a way, isn't it? Because you're yeah. there to focus on your artwork, but yeah. then it's the conversation's just kind of happening in the background. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's quite freeing. Totally. And you're, you're letting your guard down when you paint. Yeah. Like, it's a very personal thing. And you're very vulnerable, especially if you're not, super confident in your skills mm. which none of our audience are by their nature but allowing people to trace their image first is yeah. a great way of introducing them isn't it and then the, yeah. there's a little bit of encouragement from the artist saying oh wow that looks amazing because like, yeah. i traced it obviously it's amazing <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's that that kind of gets you in and totally. then you feel comfortable totally totally and the overalls are very stylish as well oh thank you. thank you thank <laughs> you um but yeah our doggy birthday party that you mentioned um, it's a little bit of fun and a bit of silliness, which yeah. brings people all kinds of joy. But I honestly believe that animals um, are so important for wellness, well-being, yeah. and connecting back to the now. I mean, we just um, saw it in the hallway here at the studio, and there's a little dog walking around, and yeah. this is going to become commonplace in the workplace, I'm sure. Yeah. When I was thinking of um, like wellness trends for 2020 in the workplace, that is what I said, like more people will have dogs wandering around. Yeah. Like we were talking about this earlier, I got a dog purely for my mental health. I was not ready to have a baby, but I was not happy and I needed something, like something yeah. to nurture. Yeah. And like you say, they just put you into the present moment. It's yeah. very powerful. Totally. When I was at uni before exam season, they'd bring bunny rabbits onto campus. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and they've shown like having a purring cat on your lap mm. draws your heart rate down, enables you to breathe more deeply 
So mm. they've started bringing cats into old people's homes, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So there's something they've, to They've it. shown it with dogs recently too, mm. about like petting dogs can lower your blood pressure yeah. and make you feel calmer. Yeah, plus Definitely. they're cute. Yeah, <laughs> cute. <laughs> but so that was a party, especially for, for a woman who wanted to have her yeah. friends around. There aren't many dog-friendly places in London that are also um, super luxe mm. and... Um, and active, so you're doing something. You're not yeah. just there to eat, or you're not just there for a big night of drinking. Yeah, that's so, gonna get your oxytocin firing like nothing yeah. else. Dogs and yeah. your friends in the same room. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely, and it went down a treat. Yeah, was that like an ad hoc request then, or do you offer that on a kind of a weekly basis, like doggy? So classes? we um, we run a weekly pet portraiture class mm-hmm. where people can paint their pets. Um, we're dog friendly by default, so if any guests uh, come, they can bring a pet and um, do- dog bed, and we'll set out some water and some treats and things for them. Yeah, uh, we have a lady that comes every week, and her dog sleeps on her lap as she paints, and oh, it's wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this party was um, a request by one of our regulars who wanted a reason to bring her friends in, and um, she felt that the the dogs would be that reason to get them interested because she didn't feel that these women would necessarily define themselves as being creatives, the sorts of people who would want to come and paint, but they would want to come to a doggy party. Mm. And of course, as soon as they were there, as soon as they'd done it, they loved it and they've now become a regular following that comes week after week. So Mm. I think as soon as people come and try, they're hooked. Mm. Our biggest barrier is people's perception that they can't do it yeah. and they're not creative. And that, for a lot of people, comes from something their art teacher said when they were 12. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing you asked me when I walked in, you know, what, yeah. what's your history with painting and I, or you know, sketching? And I just yeah. said, oh, you know, not very good. I mean, I did it at, a, well, no, GCSE. Yeah. But it was more kind of working with, like, lots of different textures. I wasn't very good at sketching or portraiture. But yeah, the, just the tracing in itself. That, and I wasn't even really concentrating at the time because I was chatting to you. And then when you lifted up the paper, I was like, oh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So yeah, I think you, you've really nailed that like in terms of making people feel comfortable from the moment they walk in. And then they're more likely to come back because yeah. I'm not fearful anymore because I know that once I've got the lines down, it's now just a case of kind of filling it in and looking at the detail. In. Yeah, yeah in, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All of our guests have that moment of trepidation when they first sit down, yeah. not knowing where to start and just having that that angst to picking up the pencil or the paintbrush. So we we play a few kind of creative games to try and take that creative block away from our guests. The sort of thing that we would um, we would do to to warm a guest up would be to say, well, first and foremost, lower the stakes a little mm. bit because if you feel like, oh, I've got to deliver, this has, this has to be good, then the pressure's pretty immense yeah. and you don't even want to start. So the first few games that we play are completely disposable masterpieces. Like you'll maybe, you'll sketch something in 30 seconds and then we'll tear it up and put it in the bin just to get you, maybe not so aggressively, but... Yeah to get you to detach yourself from the marks that you're making. Like those marks don't define you. They're not a reflection of you. They're they're not a reflection of how good or bad you are. They're just marks that you're making. So that's how we might start. Then we might introduce a couple of exercises to get you to think laterally about how 
we make marks. Mm -hmm. So we might get you to work with your non-dominant hand for a minute. So if you're right-handed, you'll be drawing with your left hand. If you're left-handed, you'll be drawing with your right hand. And you might be drawing something you can see on the table. Um, but the nature of drawing with the hand that isn't your usual hand uh, is very liberating for people because their expectations are so low. <laughs> mm. And then they surprise themselves actually with something that um, is is quite beautiful to them in as much as they'd have never expected themselves to be able to create that with a, with a non-dominant hand. A lot of artists use a non-dominant hand because they actually prefer the lightness of the strokes and mm. the uh, slightly more um, freer mentality they bring when they, they draw pain with their non-dominant hand. So we try to transfer some of that to our guests. And I guess last but not least, um, trying to be creative with a blank canvas is really hard. Like if I say to you, come up with a brilliant idea, mm. you freak out. Like it's impossible to to innovate in an unconstrained environment. And mm. that's true whether you're designing apps or whether you're coming at a brilliant work of art. So we'll introduce some constraints like um, um, we're just going to work with a minute. You ha you've got to make marks for a minute or you've got three colors, blue, yellow and green, and just see what you can do with that. Mm. Um, or um, you're gonna, you can only draw with a single line. You can't lift the pencil off the page. Mm. Just do a continuous line drawing and see what happens. Mm. So setting those constraints um, encourages you to be creative in a space that is more manageable for you. Mm -hmm. And then you discover something amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, but so why do you think creativity is such an important skill for, for our children for teaching our children in the future because that's another key part of your philosophy isn't it yeah absolutely so um we w were were set up with a long-term ambition of um wanting to help sustainably fund um the creative arts in schools mm -hmm. because we've been really shocked by the um level of cutbacks in um our state schools when it comes to creative subjects. So in our borough, we have some schools um, that don't have art departments, that don't have art teachers, because schools are being forced to funnel their limited resources into the core subjects, maths, English, science. And I understand and I respect that, but I don't believe that it's a compromise we should be willing to make for the ch our children children mm. of the next generation particularly looking at the life that they're about to inherit so if you consider the sorts of challenges that the kids of today are going to have to solve in their adulthood mm. they rely entirely on their ability to be innovative to be creative to break the norm to find the solutions that no one else has been able to find and I don't believe that that is possible without a creative education um, I also um, feel really strongly that um, when you look at the level of job automation that's happening now and will continue to happen, the jobs that are safe are the jobs that can't be automated and those jobs are jobs that require creativity. Mm. Creativity being the one human trait that machines cannot imitate. Mm. And yet that's the skill that we're training out of our children. Um, so I think the uh, right thing to do to give our children the best chance 
at life in the world that we've left them with mm. <laughs> is to give them the tools to face that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I was going to teach my kids anything, I'd be teaching them strategic thinking, creativity, resilience. Mm. Um, math and English science is also really Obviously, important. Yeah, just <laughs> not so much of a focus. Well, um, we're, we're rich enough as a country to be able to do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and there's no excuse mm given the how advanced our society is to believe that that's an acceptable compromise yeah um it's totally unjustifiable yeah oh Zina, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today so um just for our listeners tell us a little bit about where they can find masterpiece um and kind of your, your hours of opening and things like that sure so um Masterpiece Creative Studios is uh, in Eccleston Yards, which is in the heart of Belgravia and central London. Um, it's a couple of minutes walk from Victoria and a couple of minutes from Sloan Square stations. Um, we're open six days a week, Tuesday to Sunday. And we have classes running from about half past nine in the morning to about 10 p.m. at night, um, about six classes a day. Uh, we offer group classes, private classes, kids' classes, the works, um, and all of our classes are designed to be entirely inclusive to total beginners. And this is just the beginning. In the future, we're going to see masterpieces popping up everywhere, I'm sure. That's the dream. I, I, whether it's masterpiece or a, another brand with the same ethos, yeah. I, I really believe that um, creativity as a form of wellness should be as mainstream as yoga. Yeah. And I'd love Masterpiece to be part of that shift. Yeah. Um, oh, it's wonderful. You've created something really special. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me earlier today. I hope to pop back maybe with my, my dog next time. We yeah. We can do some drawing together. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast. Join me next week when I'll be hacking happiness with Meg Matthews, icon of the Britpop era turned founder of Meg's Menopause. Oh,